1: Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt podcast, bringing to you the best voices on the stories and issues that matter. Helping make it all possible is the generous partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. Here's another piece I'll trust you enjoy. I want to begin by asking you about the strike by an HIMARS artillery system provided the Ukrainians on a Russian depot in occupied Ukraine that killed at least dozens and perhaps hundreds of Russian conscripts. Um, do we have enough HIMARS on the way to Ukraine? Because that's the kind of damage and death that may get the attention of the Russian officials in the, in the in the position to put pressure on, if not remove Putin.
2: Well, here we have more after we voted for the substantial increase in defense spending last month. Unfortunately, we still don't have enough and these weapons systems still aren't moving quickly enough. This has been... A shortcoming of the Biden administration's approach from the beginning days, really even before the war started last year when Vladimir Putin launched his unprovoked aggression into Ukraine, is that the Biden administration is uh, like a cat in a room full of rocking chairs, scared of providing more lethal, longer range weapons to Ukraine, Ukraine or Russia that makes some advances on the battlefield. Then we provide the weapons, and Ukraine's able to regain some of the territory it lost, whereas it wouldn't have lost that territory, perhaps might not have had a war in the beginning if we had backed Ukraine to the hilt, the weapons they need. So we have more in the way, but we still need providing even more. And there's still other kinds of weapon systems that we are not yet providing that Ukraine could use as well.
1: Now, Senator, I want to start the new year by talking about the problem at the bottom of the military and at the top. At the bottom, we're not hitting our recruitment goals. Some people blame wokeism. What does Senator Tom Cotton think?
2: I think that's one of the main reasons uh, that the Army in particular, but all the services, didn't meet the recruiting goals and are projected to fail this year as well. Uh, America's young men and women don't join the Army because they want to learn how to use the right pronouns. They join it because they want to stand up uh, to the enemies of freedom and defend our land and our country. Um, so there's, uh, that's not the only reason, uh, but it's one of the central reasons. And, Hugh, when you look at it, too, uh, and you think about who is joining our military, uh, who's enlisting uh, in our armed forces, uh, it's not uh, gender studies majors at liberal arts colleges for the most part. It is 18-year-olds out of high school, oftentimes raised in military families who have a deep and abiding patriotism for this country – uh, they don't join the military so they can learn about all the country's flaws. They join the military so they can defend it.
1: Senator, I believe that maybe the best economic and social choice a youngster coming out of high school can make is to join one of the services, spend four years learning some basic discipline, some basic skills, then using the GI Bill to go to college. I, I really don't understand why they don't have a line out the door do you agree with my assessment? Now, you joined after not only Harvard, but Harvard Law School after 9-11, so you joined after a lot of education. But what do you think about the 18-year-old spending, becoming sort of routine, do your four years?
2: <laughs> um, I would not recommend to people go join the Army the way I did, but I do always recommend when I speak to students, whether they're college students or high school students, to take three to five years to serve in our country's military. Um, you're right to you. It's one of the best decisions you can make. Not only will it um, – you know, stand you apart from your countrymen, uh, will, it make you, will it earn you their respect for the rest of your life so you have a ch- chance to serve our nation, something greater than yourself, and make great friendships. But as you say, it makes very sound uh, sense as well for your life plans. Whatever you plan to do, whether you want to be a carpenter, whether you want to become an architect, whether you want to become a doctor, anything you want to do, the Army, uh, the military more broadly is going to teach you all the basic life skills you need. Employers recognize that. That's one reason why they're so excited to hire um, uh, veterans. And especially if you enlist and you're in the GI Bill, um, then you also have the opportunity to pay for advanced education, whether it's a four-year college degree or a two-year degree or some kind of technical certification. I know sometimes young kids can be in a hurry. Uh, there's a lot of th- a lot of people think, I don't want to set aside whatever my big goals in life are you know, for three to five years, but I always tell them, Trust me, whatever you want to do in life is going to be there when you're 21 or be there when you're 25. But the opportunity to have served your country and to have that feeling of pride and patriotism is something you'll never lose and something you can never regain if you don't take that chance now.
1: You know, your new colleague, J.D. Vance, wrote his book, Hillbilly Elegy, which I've always believed to be the best recruitment tool ever because he didn't know how to do anything anytime until he joined the Marine Corps and went down To Paris Island, and he quickly learned in four years how to get into Ohio State and then Yale Law School. It really does change lives. I want to go to the other end. You'll have a lot of hearings, and if the House ever gets organized, and your opinion on that will be solicited at the end here, General Milley's going to have much more difficult questioning in the House. But I know you've all, he is very well esteemed by my friend O'Brien, the former National Security Advisor. A lot of people dump on General Milley. Not O'Brien tells me, no, he really. Did do a good job. When does change occur at the top of the military?
2: Well, General Milley's tenure is over later this year. You know, they start, a chairman of the Joint Chiefs serves a four-year term. President Trump chose him in uh, 2019 to become the chairman. So you'd expect Joe Biden to be making an announcements sometime in the next six months or so. Um, but uh, I think change is on the way already in the Department of Defense. I think in the early 2021, the first days of the Biden administration, you know, they were caught up in some degree of moral panic uh, after the BLM riots of 2020 <clears throat> and their obsession uh, with making everything that we uh, everything that we see about our country or we think about our country through the lens of race or gender or what have you. Um, but fortunately, over the last couple of years, we've gotten back into Congress to insisting they focus on the core warfighting skills that our military needs. On the Senate Armed Services Committee, we were able to get an amendment passed that basically told them to knock off the nonsense when it came to all of this um, critical race theory and counter-extremism training and focus more on things like how to shoot, move, and communicate on the battlefield.
1: Uh, To that point, will you be able to bring back down – Donald Rumsfeld told me before he died, one of the interviews he did, the biggest change between his first tenure as SecDef and the second was that the lawyers had gone from a handful to 10,000. Uh, Do you think Pentagon reform can be a bipartisan effort as it was in in the Goldwater-Nichols days?
2: It could be, and I I hope it will be. Um, They have way too many bureaucrats in the Pentagon, way too many civilians. The most important person working in the armed forces of the United States is that E-5 sergeant team leader in infantry squad or that uh, lieutenant captain on an F-18 or an F-35 um, or that uh, Marine you know, helicopter pilot, the people who are out on the front lines who are ready to fight tonight to win a nation's wars. Everyone else has important jobs, to be sure, but if you're not one of those people, if you're not a, a sergeant team leader in the Army, if you're not fly- flying a fighter or bomber aircraft, if you're not driving a warship, you need to ask yourself, what am I doing to support that person? And frankly, the further you get away from the front lines, the harder it is to justify that, especially if you're not wearing the uniform. So we need a substantial reform of our Department of Against Bureaucracy.
1: Now, Senator, on that point, I know a number of Pentagon SESers who have also gotten military time. They are very, uh, they're just amazed at how hard it is to discipline, much less remove a civilian than it is a military active duty member. Is there anyone you can work with across the aisle to empower the Pentagon senior officials to simply slim down and fire the deadwood?
2: There are a few, Hugh, but I don't want to necessarily hurt their chances or diminish their influence in the Democratic caucus by singling them out. Huh. But, um, I mean, there, um, it is a case, though, that for decades the military uh, or the Democrats have often seen the military as just another government agency, just another way to provide a jobs program or um, checks to constituents. And that's not what it's for. It's different from anything else. It's not to provide people jobs, though it does that. It's not to run schools or run daycare centers, though it obviously does that for uh, military families. Um, it is to fight one our nation's wars, and that has to be its first and foremost priority. Um, and a lot of Democrats just don't have that mindset. Um, they see the military in many cases as something that's dangerous and more likely to provoke a war, or provoke a conflict, than it is to actually uh, help deter one. But there are a few Democrats in both the Senate and the House that we can work with, and uh, hopefully we will be able to. You know, having a majority in the House makes a big difference for us in the Senate as well, because it kind of puts an anchor. On what the uh, Democrats and the Senate Armed Services Committee are, are willing to accomplish or willing to try to uh, put into um, our legislation, because they know that it'll just be removed by the by the Republican House.
1: Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review. Our program is coming today in partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. It's America's most unique graduate leadership programs offered on Pepperdine's breathtaking campus in Malibu, California. Learn more at publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu.